He was a police officer in New York. He was involved in multiple shootings. He says he was arrested, tried, and convicted for something he didn't do. He's here to set the record straight on the Law Enforcement Today show. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. The Law Enforcement Today Show is brought to you by 4Patriots.com. That's number 4Patriots.com. They offer the world's best survival food, the Patriot Power Generator 2000X and more. And right now, you can go to 4Patriots.com and use code LET to get 10% off your first purchase on anything in the store. You'll also get their famous guarantee for an entire year after your order. Plus, free shipping on orders over $97 and a portion of every sale is donated to charities who support our veterans and their families. Just go to 4Patriots.com. That's a number 4Patriots.com. Use code LET to get 10% off. Contagions from the New York area. We have Pete Thrawn on the phone. Pete is an ex-police officer. He is also author of many books. Just do a Google search for Pete Thrawn Books. That's spelled T-H-R-O-N. Pete, first of all, thanks for being guest on the show. Thanks for your service. It's all very much appreciated. Thank you very much, Jay, for having me on your show. I appreciate it. One of the things that we want to do on this show, and I just want to let people know right away, Pete was arrested, tried, and convicted. And he's going to talk about that a little bit later on. And I've always made a point where we didn't do shows like this. But Pete said, I just want to tell my story. And... There have been many officers who did nothing wrong that wound up being convicted and serving long prison sentences. So I had to take a hard look at this. And, and, and I reached out to Pete and said, Pete, let's let's talk. Part of the, your story, Pete, is you were a police officer and you were involved in multiple officer-involved shootings. And the media portrays those things so wrong. The first thing we want to do is we wanted to talk about that. How long were you policing? I was a police officer for 10 years. And whereabouts were you policing at? Um, I was in several boroughs in the uh, in New York. I was in mainly in, in Harlem, Manhattan. Gotcha. gotcha. Worked some, some of the Bronx, some Brooklyn, and some Queens. So none of them were cake assignments? No, I was in what's called A-houses. And an A-house will, when you're in uniform, it will... As a uniform cop, you'll if you're in a car, you're going to answer anywhere between forty to sixty violent calls every night. Yeah, that's the way it was for us in Baltimore. I, look, the truth was, and I tell people this all the time. I see these photos of cops eating lunch together and all this stuff, and I'm like, what? We never had time for that. We had calls stacked up when we got our car after roll call. They yeah. were stacked up, and you were running sometimes three, four calls deep, uh, they were waiting for you. There was just no stopping it. Yeah, we had the same thing. You weren't going into a into a tour where it was you had a clean slate. We always had 10, 15, sometimes 20 calls 
that the day shift, depending on what shift you were working, they just didn't get to it. So you were going to have to answer those calls besides the calls you were being called on. Right. So the one stacked on top of the other. And we had a thing, and I, I don't know about your, your department, we had a thing about post-integrity. So I was 635 in Baltimore, and we didn't want our side partners on other posts in our sector handling calls because that meant they had abandoned their post. And we didn't want people from other sectors coming into our sector to handle calls because that meant the same thing. They abandoned their sector, and we definitely didn't want officers from other districts to have to come in and handle calls in, in our area because – it was a pride thing. It was like, if I can't handle this, why am I doing the job? Yeah, it, it, it was the same thing for us. And the one thing that my partner and I, when I was in uniform, had worked out with our squad, we were the heavy hitters when it came to making collars. A lot of the other ones, they just want to do their nine to five, which was fine with us. So if we were on a, a building watching a drug location, they would cover our Arizona if it was just maybe like a an aided if it wasn't if it wasn't a, a violent call they they took up the slack for us so we could take up the slack for them in, when it came to making collars yeah I, I thought it was the same way for me I was very proactive very aggressive and I ran with a bunch of of other men and women in the police department that were to be totally honest with me I got promoted to sergeant hey, I thought I wanted a squad all like me and it turns out uh, thank goodness I didn't get what I asked for because I needed to have those report takers. I needed people that would create stability while the other ones were out there making all the arrests. Yes, exactly. I, I agree 100%. You got to have the, you got to have the traffic people, you got to have the report takers, you got to have everybody. I agree with you 100%. But when you work in a really busy area, am I correct were you like in the the projects, the housing projects? Yes, and that was one of the problems because when I was on it, when I first got on the job, the job was very old school, and they wanted the cops, the housing cops, inside the projects, making arrests there, patrolling, which we did patrol, and we did, we made arrests in there. But I was more of a, a narcotics cop and a gun. I looked for guns. That wasn't going on too much in the projects where I couldn't go. I couldn't go in a person's home without their permission. So a lot of the drug dealing was going out on in the streets, and then it would be brought into the actual projects to be either dealt with, dealt or smoked or whatever. And I tried to explain that to my my uh, commanders, and they just they didn't want to hear it. No. So I kind of went against the grain, and it may have been wrong, but I don't think it was wrong. I I, I did I made a lot of calls off project. I made them in the streets. It's just. I knew that the drugs were going to go inside the project sooner or later, so I tried to prevent it that way. We had a saying in our department, and when I got promoted to sergeant, one of the guys who got promoted at the same time as me, when I say guys, that means men and women. In this case, is a male. His name is Fred Bielfeld, mm -hmm. and he wanted to become a police commissioner. And I'm going to paraphrase wow. what he said later in his career. He says, we're focusing on bad guys with guns. That's the source of all the problems. And with drugs and drug gangs, they're usually heavily armed, and they're mm -hmm. usually very violent. Is that a fair assessment for you? 100,000% it is. And it's because both of our departments were very similar with how we policed. That's why you understand what I'm saying. And yeah. I understand exactly what you're saying. It, it's the, the guns are going to be in the drug organizations. And if, if a, a, cam, a captain or a sergeant or a lieutenant 
from the 1960s and 70s, they didn't understand that. They were dealt, you know, they were used to the robberies at, at night point, maybe with a zip gun, something like that. When's the last time you saw a zip gun? I only arrested one person with a zip gun. <laughs> For people who don't know, and I'm not very familiar with them, and we'll go into this discussion at a later date uh, about gun laws uh, and how Maryland in particular passed a Saturday night special where cheap guns were taken off the street, and we were immediately faced with the high powers, the Rugers, the, the Glocks, and all that. Things changed overnight. But zip guns were were handmade guns, and they used like uh, was it um, the antennas from cars? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, they'll find a way. Criminals will find a way to to get at you to get themselves armed to accomplish their purpose. We're talking with Pete Thrawn. He is an ex New York Housing Authority police officer, also author of many books. Just do a Google search for Pete. Thron, T-H-R-O-N, books. When we return on Law Enforcement Today Show, we're going to talk about some officer-involved shootings he was in and then arrest, trial, and conviction. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Authorities are now checking our grid for vulnerabilities. They've identified nine key substations. If these substations are attacked, power could be knocked out from coast to coast for up to 18 months. Imagine a blackout lasting not days, but weeks or months. Your life would be frozen in time right at the moment the power fails. Lights all over the country would go out, throwing people into total darkness. That's why having your own solar power is more important than ever. With the new Patriot Power Generator 2000X, you get a solar generator that doesn't install into your house because it's portable. You can take it with you, even use it inside. But it's powerful enough for your phones, medical devices, or even your fridge. And right now, you can go to 4 and use code LET to get 10% off your first purchase on anything in a store, including the Patriot Power Generator. You also get their famous guarantee for an entire year after your order. Plus, free shipping on orders over $97, and a portion of every sale is donated to charities who support our veterans and their families. Just go to 4 That's the number 4, Patriots.com. And use code LET to get 10% off. That's 4 Use code LET to get yours today. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. Returning to our conversation with Pete Thron. He's an ex-New York Housing Authority police officer. And he was in multiple shootings, which we'll talk about now. He's arrested, tried, and convicted for a controversial case. And he's also author of many books. Do a Google search for Pete Thron, T-H-R-O-N, books. Pete, there's no easy way of having these conversations. I always say this, you know, young cops, and I did this. I was guilty of this. Young cops daydream about the things that old cops have nightmares over. And mine involved multiple shootings and multiple traumas, multiple murders, people being killed and incidents where I was a victim of violent crime and had physical injuries, all that stuff. And I tell people I've gotten really good at purposely forgetting a lot of names. However, sometimes these incidents do pop up my head and at the least appropriate times and they have an effect. But what I don't, what, what I really disagree with is the media's betrayal of police officer involved shootings. Uh, we can go into long conversation about news, television, social, but they always portray the cop as a bad guy. You were involved in three. Am I correct? Yes. 
Oh, were, yes, I was. were any of them like the news portrays them? Um, fortunately for me, no, because I think that because of the time that I was involved in my shootings, it was the crack era, and I think New York was starting to realize that it really is, it was a war, it was a war on drugs. It was a suburban war, and I, I always got indemnified on my shootings, and they definitely affected me, and they still do to this day. Oh, absolutely. There's not a de- Look, there'd be something wrong with you if it didn't affect you. Yes, I agree 100%. And sometimes I may seem distant sometimes, and it's done because I'll be honest with you, Pete, after a while I've learned I'm not like normal people. I went through some stuff and I came out the other end. I have a good life, but I'm damaged and that's okay. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I'm definitely damaged. uh, If I hear a car backfire, I'm I'm turning my heart pounds and, you know, I'm thinking it's a shot, and it's not, it's not a fun way to live. You know, it, it really isn't. No. But it's just a way of life for us. It is. Uh, and it's learning to live with it. That's the way I consider it nowadays. Uh, people talk about post-traumatic stress disorder, and I, I know it's very real. However, I do ha- have an exception with the term disorder. I think of more along the lines of an injury. And that there's things that that we have to do to to be okay. Look, when you have orthopedic surgeries, orthopedic injuries, shoulder, knee, whatever it might be, you don't expect that joint to be the same way as it was before the injury, do you? No, not exactly. Without a doubt, you don't. Yeah, and so you, you can't, can't you can't expect yourself to be the same happy-go-lucky guy all the time, 24/7, 365 after being involved in police work, and especially when you're involved in deadly force situations. correct 100% correct on that it's like you I was injured pretty badly during one of the shootings and uh, it it definitely affected me affects me physically now where I I can't breathe through my nose the right way right right and good luck getting people to understand that am I and I'm not saying we're looking for sympathy tea and sympathy I'm just saying sometimes it'd be nice if people understood yeah exactly you know, I, I get a few people that do, and of course they're in law enforcement. If they're not in law enforcement, the way the cops are, are painted right now, it's such a hard job to do right now. And I really, I tip my hat off to all police officers that, that work in, this, in that job. One of the I things really that happened to me, Pete, and we're going to get to your shootings, is I was involved in four in a little more than 10 years. And none of them were like the news media says. The first two, I never fired a shot back. They were over with before I really had a chance to respond. The second two Mm -hmm. were long, drawn-out affairs. The the third one was a a guy who murdered someone, robbed them, hit me head-on, and was shooting him at the same time uh, out the car window. And that was a nasty affair. The last one was the typical, and I'm air-quoting, unarmed man who tried to get control of my service weapon and shoot me in the face with it. And. Uh, the typical unarmed man, and I just was a guest on a podcast recently, and he said, what do you think about all these unarmed men being shot? And I said, well, what point are they unarmed? And I told my story, and he's like, I never thought of that that way. Uh, yes. So uh, your shootings, was there one theme on all of them that kind of connect all of them together? Um, no. No, they, they were pretty much all different kind, different situations. It's completely different situations. Um, my first one, I was actually – getting ready to arrest a person for um, 
he was in possession of like four or five miles of crack. And I heard over the radio that the 2-5 precinct was chasing another car. They were in a car chase, exchanging shots, and they were heading right for me, right towards me. So I actually cut the guy loose because it was, it was only a misdemeanor. I had the discretion to do that. Cut that guy loose, and I, I could hear the siren and the, and the car racing towards the street that I was on. So I had put myself against the corner. My partner was still in the car, and he was getting ready to kind of like try to block that car off. And they took this turn. The, the, uh, the perpetrator took the turn, saw me. Luckily, I had my gun out. He took two shots at me. One bullet went over my head. A bullet that went over my head hit the back of the wall that I was against. And I was actually had um, several pieces of brick lodged in the back of my neck. I returned fire. I hit the uh, driver's door three times. He ended up taking another turn down 117th Street at like 60 miles an hour, flipped the car. And I, I ran through a, uh, my partner headed towards them. And I told my partner, I'm going to cut through the, uh, the lot. I saw the car. It was flipped completely over. The two guys that were dressed in full black, they crawled out of the car. They had lost, both of them had lost their shoes because the car had flipped so many times. And they ran towards 116. The driver saw me running towards him. He turned on me again, fired a shot. I returned fire three times at him, but I was I was running. He was running. I did not hit him. They ended up going. They ended up taking a family hostage in an apartment building, and ESU, which is emergency service, a neighbor had called into 911, told them told the uh, the operator that he heard ruckus, people screaming in the, the building in the uh, apartment next to him, and we knew it was them and. Uh, ESU arrested them, and we recovered. Inside the car, there was two tasers, money, duct tape, rope. The whole kit and caboodle, as they the would say. Thing. We're and talking about Pete things. Thrawn. He is an ex-New York housing police officer, involved in multiple shootings, and also arrested, convicted, and tried for a controversial case, which we'll talk about. He's author of many books. Just do a Google search for Pete Thron, T-H-R-O-N, books. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. When we return, we're going to talk a little bit about, more about the shootings and then the controversial arrest. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. There was social media, and then there was social audio. Now the Breakout app combines the best of both. Best of all, the Breakout app is free with versions for iPhone and Android devices. You can download the app for free, www.letbreak.com. I am Meg Marie O'Rourke from Harmony with Food. Do you ever wonder what foods you should or should not be consuming based on your own unique needs? At Harmony with Food, we are now able to determine exactly what foods we should or should not be consuming through advanced testing. Test, don't guess is the motto at Harmony with Food's BioUnique Boutique program. It has never been easier than now to determine what food, drinks, and supplements you need for your individualized needs. Head over to harmonywithfood.com and click on the testing tab. Returning to our conversation on the Law Enforcement Today's show, we are joined by Pete Thron. Pete is an ex-New York housing police officer. 
involved in three Austin-involved shootings. He is eventually arrested, tried, and convicted for a controversial case, which we will talk about in a little bit. He's author of multiple books. Do a Google search for Pete Thron, T-H-R-O-N, books, and you will find them. Pete, one of the things that I, I, you know, I'll be honest with you, I try to convince people of the realities of what it's like to be involved in deadly force situations and the reaction afterwards. And most of the time, they just don't get it. For example, the, the recent podcast I was on where I talked about the shooting the, the unarmed man, and I said, do you know that, that many police officers, periodically, this majority of police officers are shot and killed with their own service weapons? And he's like, no, I didn't know that. And I said, yeah, yeah, that's why that happens. We take out the equation, all the different choices the bad guys had which could have prevented this. And they had multiple, sometimes 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 decisions they made that led to deadly use of force. But all they seem to focus on, hey, is a cop fired his gun and he's a threat. Right. And uh, I had a situation like that where a perpetrator tried to get my gun, but he wasn't able to get it. And, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking if he gets it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to I'm gonna have to prevent him. I may have to shoot him. Yeah. Yeah. But he didn't get to that point, thank God. Well, that, and I go back to my incident where I was fighting with a gun, with the, un, the so-called unarmed man who got a hold of my weapon and tried to shoot me with it. And I thought, and I'll remember this to my dying day, Pete, that the thought came to my mind, this guy's trying to kill me. And I thought to myself, and I know this doesn't make sense logically, I'm going to die, but it won't be tonight, and it won't be because of him. And I was prepared at that point to do whatever it took to survive. And that, that's me that's the right attitude because you have to go home to your family right that's, right that's how i looked at it yeah if one of us I'm had a parish that night no it, it had to be him fortunately we, we both survived and but that wasn't for lack of trying i want people to understand that mm-hmm. and that kind of went against look it was all justified it was nothing wrong nothing illegal nothing about it was controversial I wound up thinking I sprained my wrist and I had multiple hand surgeries, steel plates put in and was retired at the age of 33 and to start a whole new life. But it did create a bit of a clash because I was never raised to be that guy. And uh, when it came to extreme violence, I didn't understand that I was capable of that kind of violent reaction inside of me. Were you ever thrown back by your response? Yeah. And you only start to realize that you are capable of it when you're put in that situation. Right. And that, I, that's the only time. I, I never thought I would. I, I, I'm not a violent person. No, I'm not either. But, I feel like it sometimes, you know, but I'm not. I'm really not. I'm a very peaceful person, and I strive for peace in my life all the time. As a matter of right. fact, I, I do better that way. One of the m- ultimate frustrations for me, and I'm sure for you, was, and without going into details of my story, you were arrested, convicted, and were you incarcerated for this controversial case you're going to talk about? Yes, I was incarcerated for two years. Trying to get people's attention and explain to them you didn't do what they thought you did or, it, uh, hey, it isn't as bad as you thought. How frustrating was that, that I, I was a good guy? Um, just now people are realizing because I, I started writing they read my first book. Now they realize, you know what? He didn't do it because they, they, they've, they've asked other people. They've, they read the book. They heard what I had to say. 
and they know that I was just doing my job that night, and I got caught up in another precinct that was dirty, and they they threw me in with that precinct because I was patrolling in that precinct, but I was a housing cop. The precinct I'm talking about is the Dirty 30 was the 30th precinct, and it was around the same time, and they threw my case in with them. What, so what I, year was this? 1995. All right, so it's still fairly recent. I don't know about you. I think 70s is old. I don't think 90s is that long ago, and I'm shocked at how long ago it really was. Yes. So you, without going into a lot of detail, what happened? I was involved in a, a, a drug deal, a buy and bust, where I would flash my, my own money, but never hand it over and arrest the person that was dealing. That person that was dealing had a crew outside that was watching the apartment that the deal was going in. There were multiple people in an apartment, the apartment that were also buying. I was trying to get in. I had arrested the, the dealer, told my partners to secure him. He was yelling that we were doing a rip on him. I showed him my, my shield. I had my partner showing it. He was yelling in Spanish that we were doing a rip. The people in front came up. They were going to come up to kill us. They were trying to kick the door in. I spoke to the two other people that were buying. I made the decision to have them go out through the back window that had a fire escape. They went down it. The people in the front of the building called over to the people that were trying to kick the door in, saying they're thinking it was us. Were trying, that was trying to escape, and they shot one of the guys I let go, and I was held accountable for that. The second guy that I had let go, he claimed that I had stole $1,700, but I actually had vouched that money as part of the evidence that we were doing with the, uh, the arrest. But I marked the voucher. I know you'll understand this. The $1,700 was vouched under found property, so that would have enabled the guy that was making the claim to go into the prison and claim that money and we would have gave it back to him. That never happened. It was somehow, not by me, by another police officer marked, also arrest evidence. So the voucher itself was marked, found, and arrest evidence, which then made it impossible for the guy to get his money back. Internal affairs got involved. It was a big fight between my captain, who I'm very good friends with. Suspensions happened. About a year later, I was out of uniform. I was back in uniform. I was waiting to be made detective. That, that, that never happened. And uh, I think a DA told me, listen, that my name was being mentioned that it was going to be, I was up to be indicted under the Special Prosecution Unit. Sure enough, I was indicted. And I surrendered. It was a $100,000 bail. I paid $10,000 of cash that I borrowed, and we put up two houses, my mother and my wife's house, my ex-wife's house. We took it to trial, and our thoughts were that if I beat, because it had me for an armed robbery, and the thoughts were if you beat the, the robbery charge, you're going to beat everything else. I did beat that charge. I found not guilty, but they found me guilty of the money that I vouchered, they said that I, I enabled him to get it back because the voucher was marked 
arrest evidence, which I didn't do. Someone else did it. And they, they got me for a lawsuiting. We're going to take a short break. We're talking Pete Thron. He oh. is an ex-New York Housing Authority police officer. We're talking about when he's arrested, tried, and convicted. He's also author of many books. Do a Google search for Pete Thron, T-H-R-O-N, books, and you will find them. We return to our conversation with Pete on Law Enforcement Today's show. We're going to talk about the trial, the conviction, his incarceration, and rebuilding his life afterwards. There's only one official Facebook page. What you do, you do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. Click like and follow. There you'll find updates about upcoming episodes of the radio show. You can contact me. We also find unique, one-of-a-kind editorials and news articles. That is our Facebook page, Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Be sure to click like and follow. We'll see you there. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. There's only one official Facebook page. What you do, you do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Click like and follow. There you'll find updates about upcoming episodes of the radio show. You can contact me. We also find unique, one-of-a-kind editorials and news articles. That is our Facebook page, Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Be sure to click like and follow. We'll see you there. Are you wondering where you can find more great podcasts? Head to letradioshow.com, click Be Heard, and discover other fantastic podcasts like this one. Also available on our free app, all at letradioshow.com. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. I'm John J. Wiley, returning to our conversation with Pete Thron. Pete is an ex-New York Housing Authority police officer. He was arrested, tried, and convicted for a controversial case. He's author of multiple books. Do a Google search for Pete Thron, T-H-R-O-N, books, and you will find them. Pete, when we went to break, you're talking about if you got found not guilty in the armed robbery charge, which you were, it should be dismissed on everything. That wasn't the case. And it sounds like to me, and I don't know you from Adam, it sounds like to me this was a clerical situation and obviously a clerical situation when something is marked as found property or arrest evidence. And somehow they found a way to stick you with it and say, I can't get him on the armed robbery, but I'm going to get him on this. And that's what they did. Am I wrong? Yes, you're 100% right. They actually had gotten me for uh, falsifying a business record, which was my my member book. I had wrote that I was in a place at the wrong time when I when I wasn't, but I was actually in that place but about 15 minutes earlier. So they hit me with that. And I got convicted of uh, three E felonies, nonviolent, and the judge gave me two to four years in jail. That must have been a heavy hit because, look, I prided myself, and I still do, on being one of the good guys. It doesn't mean I'm a saint. It just means, look, I don't purposely go out and violate the law, and I don't hurt people, and I don't steal. I don't do all those things that corrupt guys do. Uh, It doesn't sound like you did either. What was your reaction when you were found guilty? Did you think, look, we'll appeal this, and uh, they're going to come to their senses? Yes, and that's what we ended up doing, and— that was a debacle, too, because it's a long story. But ultimately, you know, I knew I, I, I was innocent. A captain and a lieutenant knew I was innocent. They wrote letters. They got suspended. 
30 days without pay for writing me letters to the judge saying that I was unjustly convicted. The captain actually retired because I was arrested. Um, I ended up, I did, I did go to prison. I went to prison for two years and it was the scariest thing in my life. I mean, I, there were people in there that I knew I put away and I just didn't know it, what, if I was ever going to run into them. And, um, during my sentence, when I, when I ended up, I got bit when I, I actually ended up getting paroled, but you have to wait like a month before you go home. I was stabbed like two weeks before I was going home. And the guy said, listen, so we do it in Buffalo copper. And I said, I'm not a cop. I'm a convict. Just like you. The, 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 the problem I had to deal with was I had to become one of them in order to survive. But I still had that blue blood running through my veins. And I tried to stay grounded with that. But you just can't, if you want to live, survive jail. What's still saying when you're in Rome, you do as a Roman. So, uh, look, I, I don't even know where to begin because I don't have a point of reference in this conversation. All, all I have is what Hollywood shows. And I know they get so much wrong that my imagination tells me that, you know, I know I can't fight my way out of every potential scrap there is. Uh, that's just not possible. Someone's bigger, stronger, luckier, crazier, whatever it might be. They're going to get you. Mm-hmm. So you got to find a way to appease the crowd and the violence to, to reduce the threat to yourself and do your time and not create a problem for everybody else. And to me, that would seem like a big catch-22. Yeah. Uh, well, what I the one thing I did was I made sure I was in ridiculous shape to have to, if I had to fight. But I also learned through my training at, with ATF when I was over there that your mouth is your, your biggest weapon. It's right. how you talk to people. And they, these, these guys, they knew I wasn't, they, I, they knew I shouldn't have been in there just by the way I, I held myself. And most of them, they respected me and, and I didn't have a lot of problems. I saw a lot of things, but I personally did not have a, a lot of problems. I think my, my biggest thing was the first six months not a day went by that I didn't think about killing myself because I didn't think I was going to be able to handle it. But after that time, then I said, okay, I can handle it. I've got to get home to my kids. That's all that matters. I can't put my family through me, kill myself. My mother and my brother and sister and my kids won't be able to handle it. So I, I just, I held on to life and it wasn't the easiest thing, but I did it. Sounds like you hit a turning point in your life behind bars. Where like I got to make conscious decisions to act differently and, and build a life afterwards that am I, am I correct on that one? Yes. Yes. I just, uh, I, when I got out, all, all I wanted to do was focus on it was being a good father to my children and trying to get employment where I could put bread on the table. And that was not easy. It still isn't easy. Now I can't get a regular job because I have that, that record and they see ex cop. So I can't do what I'm I'm good at. I'm I was told I was one of the best investigators in New York when I was a cop. And I can't even get a job as an investigator. I can't hold a, P- a PIE license and I can't can't do much. I have to do, you know, that's why I started writing. I was just going to ask that. Is that what motivated you to start writing? Yes. The, when I was in I was telling my cellmate, who was actually an ex-cop, too, I said, you know what, Matt? I think I want to write about what happened. 
when I get out. And I even told him what the cover was, and Judge is shattering my, my shield. He loved the idea. But I waited. I waited 20 years to do it. I wanted to wait for my children to get older because I did not want to put my family through that that ordeal again. I I just knew I couldn't do it, so I waited. I get waited that. about 22 years. I, and here, here's a reality. Earlier I said there's parts of my policing story I don't talk about. Number one is because I don't want to relive them. But number two is not just my story. It's my ex-wife's story. It's my daughter's Mm -hmm. story. It's my family's story because they have the same last name as me. And I don't have a right to to bring any scrutiny to them. You hit that right on the head. And that's one of the reasons I waited. And when I got finished with the book, my family was floored. My mother, my brother and sister, they had no idea what I went through as a cop. Because I never brought it home, I did not discuss my what I did on the job ever with them. And when they read it, they just were like, "How come you never spoke to us?" I said, "What was I supposed to do? Talk about a child being molested at, at dinner at the dinner table?" I said, "I can't. I can't talk about that." No. So you hold it all in. You you live with that. I'm in the same era that we didn't talk about things because number one, my family members worried enough. They didn't need the added thing on there. And and quite honestly, I didn't know how to talk about it. So my best way of dealing with it was to try to blot things out, focus on other things. And I was one of those guys who turned to alcohol and that was not good for me. Your book, Mm -hmm. writing it, your first book, was that kind of a a cathartic healing process for you? A lot of people ask me that and it really wasn't. It was, it actually brought my PTSD into a worse situation because I was reliving these events that I'm, I was writing about and having nightmares every day, waking up, sweating, you know, wondering where I was and and my prison experience. And I, I like nothing ever happened to me except to eat stab, but you still live with that fact that you are, you may get killed at, at any moment. Right. You can be killed. And just a, it's a tough thing to live with. What's the name of the first book you wrote? The first name of the book, my book is, uh, first book was End of Tour. And people can find it online. There's multiple places they can find it. Uh, very quickly, they Google Pete Thron, T-H-R-O-N books. Is it available online, Amazon, all those places? Yes, it is. Pete, I want to thank you for being guest on the show. And I really want to thank you, A, for your service. And for, to be totally honest with you, for being able to talk about these things in a way that I know I couldn't, uh, to handle yourself with the decorum you did, uh, is admirable. And I'm, I sense that you're still kind of angry about this, and I would be too, and I think I'd be angry to my last dying, last living breath. Uh, I am, but I want to thank you, for Jay, for letting me be on the show and talk about it. Awesome. Pete Thron, again, thanks for your service. Thanks for being a guest on Law Enforcement Today's show. All very much appreciated. Thank you very much, Jay. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today radio show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is a nationally syndicated radio show broadcast on numerous stations once a week and growing. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, please do me a big favor. Tell a friend. I'll be back in just a couple days with a brand new episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya.